Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner, wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic, into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Welcome back. And um, as always, I'm very excited. And just meeting more and more people every day that are really, after 30 years in this, really um, getting me more passionate about what I do and why I chose it. And this week, I'm here with Dr. Rebecca Seagraves, DPT. How are you, Dr. Rebecca? I'm doing great, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So um, really, without further ado, I want Dr. Seagraves to talk about what she's doing. And I think you all will quickly learn about why she's on this show and is really following in the footsteps of so many other people that I've currently talked to, or maybe leading the footsteps. I'll, I shouldn't say following in the footsteps, just in chronological order. That's all. So Dr. Seagraves, why don't you fill us all in on what you're doing and what we've talked about maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So I am teaching acute care. So those are occupational therapists, physical therapists who work in the hospital, how to serve those clients who are coming into the hospital for birth and pelvic surgery. So through a training program, I'm getting them up to speed on serving those clients within 24 to 48 hours of birth and surgery. And we're doing this all around the country. So, yeah, this is, and I don't know about any of you, but I'd never ever knew this existed. And I never knew this opportunity existed. Um, do me a favor, and maybe you were going there, share a little bit about the impact of this work. I mean, how big or why this work is needed? Why, why should we have PTs working in hospitals, working with uh, on maternity wards? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, most people uh, don't probably know this, but the, the most common surgery performed in the United States and across the world is a cesarean section. So we're seeing about 1.2 million people undergo a cesarean section alone in this country. And that's almost double a knee replacement. And so when people like, you know, ask me, well, well you know, what, what's, what's the, the benefit? Well, you know, what's the benefit of seeing someone twice a day as an OTPT after a knee replacement, but not seeing someone after a major open abdominal surgery who then has to pick up their baby repeatedly, get out of a bed without rail support, you know, have a tremendous amount of pain and try to function at home. To me, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation of, are we actually serving this clientele the way that we would serve anyone else? It's a, it's a term of it. It's, it's more about, at, at, you know, equity at this point. How long is, um? so I know nothing about this, literally nothing. And like I said, I, I mean, just the numbers you shared, how long is someone in the hospital if they have a uh, C-section, cesarean section? Average three to four days, Jerry. That, I, I would say about two, two days longer than someone after a knee replacement. Thank major you. abdominal surgery. And plus, can, can, can we all agree that when you go in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this out loud, when you go into the hospital for a knee replacement or a hip replacement, 
you don't leave with a uh, new responsibility and a new person to take care of in your life. So on top of everything else. So the cesareans are almost double the knee replacements, basically surgical. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of length of stay, we're talking about three to four days, average length of stay. Oh, sorry. The number of surgeries. Oh yeah. Yeah. So number of surgeries. And so COVID really, um, you know, those numbers out of COVID when uh, elective surgeries were being like halted, cesarean sections weren't. We had more individuals actually go through, you know, cesarean section because, you know, there were emergency procedures. You didn't have a support staff. Doulas couldn't come in and support, you know, moms in the same way. So you had even more cesarean sections. And then from then on, you know, we've been seeing just an uptick in terms of surgical births. So, yeah, in terms of numbers, we have more surgeries performed in the obstetrics population than we do in the orthopedics population, but we lay out the red carpet for elective orthopedic surgeries. Oh my, how, how much time do we have? Two, three hours to talk about this today? Yeah, oh <laughs> I think Dr. It's, all about, it's all about the experience. I mean, I think it's really all about, you know, how do we prioritize experience for people? Well, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there and probably why I can, I personally connected so much with Dr. Seagraves after hearing even the tip of this iceberg was this whole idea around potential impact and risk, you know, so she just described a huge potential to make a huge impact and at a very low risk. I mean, my gosh, you know, we're, we're talking about someone seeing someone at a minimum in the hospital, right? Just for what, maybe twice a day for two, four days. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about 24 visits over fricking six months, my friends. N not at all. I mean, if that, if that I've, I've never seen someone after a cesarean section twice a day, like I would after a knee replacement, I, I would go back to that person on a return visit, but after a cesarean section, I can, I could guarantee a better experience for that person. If I even saw them once during their whole postpartum stay one time one time over a three to four day period again we're back to impact and you know and i didn't move through most of my career about thinking about the impact i i would like to think i was thinking this way and why i've connected so much with you recently yet the impact on this and i don't know where this fits in and if it doesn't just tell me it doesn't right now but you know, when I see numbers about maternal issues in America, they seem to be bad numbers compared to the rest of the world. And we claim to be, you know, always at the top of everything and deliver quality care. It, it, does this come into play in this whole equation? Yeah, we're at the top of the list when it comes to the most maternal deaths of all developed nations. So that's all high income nations across the world we have the most maternal deaths. And when you actually look at the breakdown, the breakdown makes us look like a different country in and of itself. So, you know, regardless of my education, Jerry, you're looking at me, you know, I'm a black woman, regardless of my income, I'm on the top of that list. I have three times just flat out because of this color of my skin, three times more likelihood that I will, I will die during pregnancy or postpartum because of my race alone in this country. That's not in other countries. So 
thank you for all that. I think that's really, really important. And I'm glad I brought that up because I didn't, I seriously, I, I don't know how this all ties in. Right. And I'm learning so much from you about this journey and the impact. I mean, so here we go, here we go, people just keep this impact thing, potential, huge potential to lower that number. So you're training people, OTs and PTs currently, I'm just, I want to double back to go into a hospital, create a job, should we say, within the hospital oh, system? Oh, essentially. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Yes. Right? Expon I went, no, not essentially, exponentially create jobs. Okay. So create a job so that they can make an impact during, and I just want to make sure, during this hospital stay. Mm -hmm. I would argue the most critical part of the hospital stay, the first 24 to 48 hours. There we go. Yeah. Okay. That, that's well. And by the way, what's really still ringing in my head is you saying, if I can get one visit with one person, mm -hmm. right? The impact. So this is cool. How yep, are you yep. doing this? Where are you doing this? Oh, this so we've actually, yeah, no, we've trained therapists in over 60 hospitals to date. We've been doing this less than two years. And so when I, when you said something, I have to double back when you said that this has you know, low risk, not only has low risk, it has life-saving potential. That's what I mean. The potential's off the chart. This is right. You can't even see it yeah. anymore because it's so far down. It's huge. The gap, right? Yeah. And, and let's be honest, the potential we chase as a profession in other places, <clears throat> orthopedics, where I come from, so um, is so small at times and you right and here we are with an opportunity right yeah so it, and i i think honestly it's, it's not just orthopedics and i have to honestly say this i went after acute care therapists because they're already working on the front line they are catching strokes before they happen jerry just by taking someone's vital signs making sure that wait are they hemodynamically stable we don't use that word in pelvic health I'm an acute, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a women's health clinical uh, specialist. You know, I worked in outpatient public health all of my career. And so when I actually went into the hospital and I saw mom's blood pressure would go through the roof and she's just trying to get from the bed to the bathroom, I, I said, wait, she lives in a second story apartment. She's a single mom. She has three other kids at home and we're not taking her blood pressure, you know, and preparing her for that journey back home. That's the potential that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about pelvic floor dysfunction. So when I, you know, I don't want you to, to misunderstand, I'm not bringing pelvic health therapists into the hospital. I'm teaching acute care therapists who are already there to just expand their life saving services to this population. Who's not seeing it. Yep. So check in. Um, <laughs> so I, I would like to say that, you know, and always looking, I would like to, again, back to how we met. I'm just trying to pull this all together in my head, to be honest. You know, potential impact risk and all of it. There's just, and by the way, as you and I have discussed over the last few weeks, every click upstream just shows a bigger and bigger potential with a bigger and bigger impact, right? So instead of waiting to get postpartum moms, right, we go up one more. Right. Okay. Maybe we can get moms earlier. I was like, no, maybe we can get moms in the hospital. Right. Which is like three or four steps up. Then we have to understand, right. What is it truly we're doing by doing, just bear with me. What are we doing here? Like you just explained. And, yeah. and I use this example. 
I use this example all the time when I talk to outpatient, just straight up outpatient physical therapy clinics. I'm like, you owe on the front end, you owe these people who are calling you for your help, a conversation to learn just a little bit more about them. And I use the example of you get a call from a female with low back pain. And all the PT knows is on Monday at 730, they have a woman's name, 730, low back pain. One woman is the woman you just explained. Single mom, right? Newborn, cesarean, let's go C-section, right? Who's now taking time off of work, who's now getting up an hour earlier, right? To get her kids to daycare, which is God knows all the expenses and um, money involved in that, right? There's that one person at 730. And by the way, I'm not talking about who deserves to get treated a certain way. I'm talking about your context of how you need to approach and understand the context of where this person's coming from. And the other person is a married person, three kids. Let's throw all the rest of it. Three kids, stay at home mom. I mean, yes, they both deserve help, but mm-hmm. God, we, we, we got to understand this context and we've got to understand this world outside of just the diagnosis for all this. And then, and then I'm going to double back. Then we can make an impact. But we're back to a conversation we had too. If the single mom, for whatever reason, ends up dropping off your schedule, whatever reason, and you're like, eh, you know, I knew this. And it's like, no, you're part of the problem now because you actually didn't know enough to, a, to have a conversation around priorities. How can I make this work for you? By the way, that, that's a word that's rarely ever uttered in any outpatient clinic. How can I make this work for you? Oh, you got to cancel. We're going to charge you 150 bucks. I'm like, really? Right. Right. So, yeah. 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 You know, and we actually are talking now about equality versus equity. When you start changing the conversation. Do me a favor, equity, define equity, please. So equity is, is, is in, in, in a nutshell, it's changing your procedures, your systems that fit what the individual needs. It's not across the board you know, giving everyone the same uh, information, the same service, the same procedure, the same system, that's equality. Equity is actually individualizing that care. And so when you're talking about, you know, three children at home, but one has a robust support system, one's a single mom, equality would be to give them a three to four length of stay after C-section, you know, give them the narcotics, you know, go through the routine of, of discharge planning, send them out the door. Equity would be to talk to that, you know, mom who doesn't have the support and say, okay, well, where can well, we- First, you have to find out they don't have the support, right? They don't Sorry. have the support. You have to talk. You have to, you have to actually like do a subjective, you have to actually do an intake on them, right? Get that information up front. See what is it that might actually cause gaps in terms of them getting to the pediatrician in terms of them getting uh, the care. Here's how easy my job was, you know, because a lot of people don't know my background. They don't realize I actually worked in acute care and I stayed silent almost three months. I didn't, I wasn't trying to start a program in the hospital. We own boots on the ground. I was an outpatient public health therapist. I needed to learn acute care. So who I started with were not the patients, Jerry. They were the nurses. My my biggest impact on a patient's journey 
was actually understanding who was involved in their care 24 seven during their whole hospital length of stay and what questions weren't they asking? And they weren't asking who's at home with that person? Who are they gonna go home with? What their home environment looked like? Did they have steps at home? You know, did they, did they have other children that they were caring for? Did they have transportation issue? So it was all of this like watching and looking at how the care was being delivered and what about the nurse's plate was so full that she just could not, or he just could not go through those extra steps of teaching someone how to even get out of bed after a C-section. So once I understood the nurse's experience, I knew that's where I needed to start. I needed to take things off their plate so that that person could get a better experience as a patient. Yeah, being in it, being in it. I, I, did, my first, yeah. I, I, I did my first five years in acute care when I came out of school. And I told, wow. what was my one takeaway? If anybody said, what was your one takeaway? I said, if you ever go into the hospital, worry about who the fuck your nurse is, not your doctor. Thank you. Thank That's you. all you say to people. I'm like the nurses. I watch nurses, right? Incredible nurses. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say bad. You know, it's funny. If you asked me to report a bad nurse, I'd be like, you mean someone who was put in a horrible position and was totally over? Exactly. Yeah. I, I would I'd agree. Like, with yeah, you. I can tell you lots of that, but I never met a bad nurse. I, I, I haven't either. And they get such a bad rap for this. Really population, do. And we don't even understand what their experience and what their, their journey is. They have so much they have to do and worry about. That no, no, it's not their job to necessarily walk someone out of the room, take their vital signs and go up and down steps and make sure that they're able to. By the way, yeah, in the world we created, it's absolutely outrageous to ask them to do that because of the world we've created in our healthcare system for them. So again, that's awesome though. I I love you sharing again, your your story. So yeah, you went out, you realized, hey, there's there's a disconnect, not to blame, you're just like, I just know the gaps, where are the gaps and disconnects. And it was like, wow. And then what I love is here's the solution. Hey, it's me. It's Dr. Rebecca Seagraves. I have some ideas. Let's do this, right? Of which is where we started. Let's get the physical therapist. Let's get the occupational therapist involved in the post C-section. Is it just post-birth? Or is it- birth. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started with C-section because it was the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Right. So it was the easiest way yeah. to leverage your way in to say, you need us. You can't say. And then you. once the nurses understood and watched what we did and, and they saw how much we took off their plate, they were asking us to see. That's how- what I loved. Then they, they were asking us like, we, they could, we couldn't leave at that point. We were too valuable to the team, Jerry. It wasn't just the nurses. It was the pediatricians. They were seeing gaps that this mom might likely not take their baby to their first appointment unless they had PT in the room. Ah, we had pediatricians that were advocating for us to stay on units within 24 to 48 hours. I, lo- I love that. And I hope everybody heard. And I want everybody to go back to the beginning of when Dr. Seagraves said how her journey started in acute care and identifying this and finding the gaps and leveraging the biggest one, by the way, potential impact risk. And leveraging the biggest one and knowing damn well, as soon as a nurse saw that, that that nurse was going to be an advocate for the whole thing. And because it, it fit, it fit, it, it wasn't some crazy thing. Wow. And now again, I want to double back. You are currently, so where can people find you? So my program is enhanced recovery after delivery. You, you look at that, you look at my training that you're in now my ecosystem, I say. 
you know, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna leave me um, at this point. If you look at that work, that's really the gateway into everything that I'm doing. And so we're starting with birth, but we're moving into pelvic surgery across the board. We're seeing that this patient population is just not getting the care that our elective orthopedic population is. And that's really what it comes down is, uh, to is the, the patient's experience in the hospital and then their journey uh, through recovery. So enhanced recovery after delivery. Is that like a website? Where can it's they find the website? Your- and uh, it is a gateway to the program. So that's where okay. they can find me. So say it again. Enhanced recovery after delivery. Cool. Yeah. So anywhere else? Oh, go on, yeah. go on. So I'm, yeah. So I own uh, what's called the Pelvic Health Net- uh, Network. Pelvic Pel- Health Pel- Network. Network. Pelvic Health Network. So that's where uh, that program lives. That's where a lot of my resources, YouTube channel, um, just information on this, this early intervention care after birth and pelvic surgery in the hospital. That's where people can can basically find my hub of work. Awesome. I know. Um, I think um, we're definitely going to have you back. I think that might be a good place to stop this part of the journey. So pelvic health and network and say the other one again i apologize enhanced enhanced recovery after delivery enhanced recovery after delivery and uh what an awesome addition to the conversations i've been having and i've learned so much in such a little amount of time and I'm going to throw this in at the end is this is the future of the profession from the dude who's been in it 30 years. This is the impact. This is where we get, by the way, let's argue any of it. I'm going to end it here. Let's argue any of it. You want to get paid. You got to go upstream. If you want to get paid what you're worth, you got to go upstream. The current model is not designed to facilitate. It's not best for the people. It's not best for the providers. So these are the things you're going to have to be thinking about. And as you are getting out of school, as you're wondering what the heck you're doing in physical therapy, these are the things, if you're thinking about them, here's people for you, Dr. Rebecca Seagraves. I couldn't think of a better, better resource for you right now than that. If you've been curious about how can I leverage this pelvic health work I've done, or I want to do, or I want to get into it. I want to make a bigger impact with women. Here you go. Anything else, Dr. Seagraves? Thanks, Jerry. That, that was a great summation. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's been interesting, this journey and going, shit. You know, early on, the problem is, take this back 5, 10, 15 years. Everybody had been like, yeah, thanks, cool. See you later. You know, and oh, yeah. I just, there, there was so much resistance to all this at every level, right? But now, I, I don't know, man, there's been a lot of tipping points, not just COVID. COVID was huge. COVID was huge, but yeah, huge. Jerry, well, I, I could just, tell you, yeah, yeah. five years ago, I was on the verge of burnout because I, I, I saw pelvic health as just treating, waiting, waiting for people waiting, to waiting. That's a great word. and then seeing them for just months to years, just, you know, down the road, just, just spinning our wheels, just the same thing just didn't seem to get better. And I was like, what is this? What did I get myself into? That's where we're going to cancer was the same thing. And I just cancer. Yes. Acute, you know, care. I went into acute care because I did it as a default because I was a little freaked. It was like, whatever. And then I was there and I realized still at 30 years later, 
the biggest value return I got was in acute care. I learned more about surgery. I learned more about meds. I learned more about all kinds of stuff. I learned more about the impact we could make. And I didn't want to, I didn't go to school to be in acute care, but that's where I went. And so again, anybody thinking about what can I do? Listen to what Dr. Seagraves just said. What you cannot do is sit around and wait for people to contact you. You can't wait for the pelvic health patient. You can't wait for the low back pain patient. You can't wait. And I'm not saying we set up new programs and over deliver and all this other shit. We go upstream. Where does the problem start and go one step in front of that? Well, getting pregnant isn't a problem. What happens is you get a C-section and boom, right? Yeah. Right. So getting pregnant is the problem. You got to go just that step before. It's the day after, right? right? So. So and upstream doesn't even have to be in the hospital. Upstream just has to be somewhere on the team where you're communicating with everyone involved. They're so clear on your mission and your value that they advocate for you. And acute care taught me that. But that's where it needs to start is communication. That's why I teach therapists. I teach them how to communicate on a team. There we go. All right. Uh, Pelvic Health Network. You're going to say the next one again. Enhanced recovery after delivery. And that's the training program for this. Repeat that over and over. So I'm ready next time. All right, cool. Thank you, doctor. Where else? Anywhere else they can find you? I know they can find you on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm a 1C. 1C. Rebecca with 1C. Seagraves with no A (laughs) between the EG. So Rebecca Seagraves, yeah. LinkedIn, everywhere. Everywhere. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you.